listening to our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. Well, good morning, church. Welcome to the fourth part of our series, Brand New You. And it has been a riot. It's really been a roller coaster in many ways. We've gone over things that really in my heart, it was my love letter to people that are are either brand new to God or number two, like they've known God, but they they really didn't know a ton about him. And I wanted to give this on-ramp for just normal people to be able to like, okay, I'm, I'm getting these basics together And the reality is, as a pastor, I have to every once in a while do that. Because if we ever get too deep for the person that just accepted Christ, we're going to leave them behind. And so I I love the fact that this happened. But while all of it was happening, I was actually talking to Lenny. And he said, you taught me something I didn't know. When we were talking about the difference between righteousness and holiness in the first week. And so thank you. It lets me know that people are are really getting something out of it. I've heard from you that way. And and so I don't think today's going to be any exception to that. The idea is that we believe that God has us all on a spiritual journey, and this spiritual journey is a massive deal. Yes, it happens. It begins the moment that you accept Christ, but a lot of people think that it would like end, I don't know, when you hit retirement age or when you die and go to heaven, but the truth is that this journey with Jesus is never going to stop. You'll be studying the same Bible that you're holding right now in heaven and getting closer to God more like Jesus. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Now, God wants to do something new in our life, and I'm going to go someplace with that. Uh, I'm going to read Proverbs 29, if you would. If people can't see what God is doing, I want to stop there for a second. You could fill in the blank on a lot of that, but I think that's very profound. If you can't see the spiritual journey, if you can't see the next steps, what happens? They stumble all over themselves. And this is, this is Christians who, they're born again, they love God, but they stumble in their finances. And they stumble in their marriage. And they stumble in, in, in their peace life. And, and they stumble in emotions and their job. And, and the reality is God has more, but, but they can't see what God is doing, so they miss out on it. We think that if we fixed our issues in our life, gang, that honestly we would be at a spot where it's like, man, I'm fixed, I'm going to be happy But fixing our issues won't make you happy. It's actually fixing your eyes on Jesus and changing on the inside. That'll change your externals. It's a changed life that we're going for. Say amen, somebody. And I believe that. If if you could truly see what God has for you, you would be blown away. It says this, but when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. Uh, blessed here is, this is, by the way, the message uh, interpretation. It's not even a translation, but it really does read well, uh, and it ends with blessed. It's not a financial blessing in this context. It's actually talking about a fulfillment of your soul, like in, in the deepest part of you being fulfilled, like the, the, the void, whatever, whatever was missing before, that there's a fulfillment in that. And, and that's the blessed that God wants us all to live. However, so many people, so many Christians live less than what God's best is. We, we live in less than what Jesus paid for on Calvary's cross, everybody. And I just, here's the deal. I accept the fact that we need to get born again, and that, that, that gains us access to heaven. But like we said last week, you are not resigned to live hell on earth. 
that God has given us great and precious promises, and what we have to do is apply those and begin to live in the provision that he has. Y'all are a little just quiet in the church this morning. I, I, I know I kind of smoked you out when you are walking in, but I liked it. I don't know. Just help a brother out. We have to understand the spiritual journey, and the Bible calls it the path of life or the way of life. Let me read it for you in Psalm 16. Uh, the psalmist David says, You will show me, God, the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. And I like that, the path of life, the way of life. It's describing something concrete. How do you know that you're doing it, by the way? You can see it. There's joy. You know, there's people in the room, and you have been lied to or you've lied to yourself, and you thought, man, I want to be saved because I don't want to burn in hell, but I don't want to become nuts like those Christians because if I do that, what's going to happen is I'm going to be so bored out of my mind. The furthest thing could be true. I have more fun than the world has ever dreamed of having. I mean, Kai and I have been talked to that the people thought that we were drinking, we were laughing so hard, and we weren't. We just love God, and we were cracking up, and we probably looked like drunk folk, but we weren't. And so I'm here to tell you that you can enjoy this existence. There can be joy in it, and then the, the other byproduct is that you'll have a pleasure in know, knowing him, not just in heaven. Pleasure in knowing him here and now. And again, it's the way of life, right? This is God's definite concrete system that he has for a spiritual journey, and I'm going to give it to you. It's a new groundbreaking teaching. You've never heard this before. Here's the first step. You need to know God. You need to know God. You don't just need to know about God. You don't just need to agree with God. Even the demons know that he's real, and they shudder. You don't just need to acknowledge that he is Lord. He knows that he's Lord. You need to believe on him, make him the Lord over your life, have a relationship with Jesus. If you're going through right, ritual, religion, regulation, that's not Christianity. Those are holy aerobics. <laughs> what we need is a relationship with Jesus that's real. Have you talked to him? Are you sharing the intimate details of your life? He knows about it, but he wants to do life with you. Say amen, somebody. Now, as I go through these, I, I want to say one thing, one caveat. You can't progress to the next one until you've done the first. Very profound. The next one is this. God wants you to find freedom. He wants you to find freedom from your past. He wants to find, uh, have you find freedom from your shame, from the issues of your past. He wants you to be free of that pet sin, that secret sin that nobody knows about. Because here's what happens. You end up defining your future by the shame that you're, you're living in right now from something you did in the past. And you need to be free, bub. Church I grew up in, they were content. I mean, you get saved, act right, die. That was our growth plan. Okay, But the truth is this, God has more for us, and we need to be free. We need to not carry that junk. And I'm not saying that you'll ever be completely sinless, no sin. Any. Here's what I am saying. You're free from it. It doesn't have a hold on you. When you get to that spot, it's pretty profound because you're able to move on towards somebody who can even see the future. You deal with the past, you can see the future, and God wants you to discover it. You have a purpose. Discover your purpose. Don't manufacture it. Don't invent your purpose. This isn't new age. This isn't self-help. In fact, here's the thing about self-help. I've always thought it was funny whenever I go to Barnes & Noble with Kaya. I'm like, why do they have a self-help section? If you could help yourself, they would have done it. I thought it was funny, but anyway. You have a purpose. 
given to you by God. And you can't manufacture it. It's so much bigger than you. It's amazing. And, and so we need to be people that, that acknowledge that. But here's the truth. You already are. People want purpose. And so what do they do? They do put something in the place or invent something to fit in there because they, they have something in them that wants to live in a purposeful way. And the problem is without God's way of life, you end up choosing the wrong thing. Yikes. Once you discover God's purpose, though, then you can ultimately, step four, you can make a difference in this world. I love it when I'm watching a, a show or a movie, and uh, in the show, there'll be somebody that says, God, why am I here? What's the meaning? There it is. It's to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you're looking for something more, it's a subcategory under there. What? Yeah, this is the meaning of your life, so that you can know God. You can get free from the junk. You can know that you're a purposeful child of the Most High God, and you can go out and make a difference. Does that mean I have to be a preacher? No, no. You can go and be a minister in a Christian sense to a lot of different people in the context of your character and calling, bub. But listen, you are called to make a difference. And the call on your life is so big. It's so big, you can't do it alone. You need a church to do it with you. You need people to be praying for you. Say amen, somebody. Preaching better than y'all letting on. You know, statistically, 87% of the body of Christ, that's the church, 87% does not know what their part in the body of Christ is, what their purpose is. Now, could you imagine? I mean, they'd probably have to wheel me in here if I, if I had 87% not working in my body. It'd be a miracle if I was alive. But yet, the body of Christ, and some of you guys are the arms, some of you guys are the hands with healing or eyes with vision, or some of you are the mouthpiece. And, and, and listen, 87% don't even know, and they're not functioning in it. Is there any wonder why the church is impotent? Why the world drives past our churches and say, you've had 2,000 years to get together on a book, and you're still fighting with the other denominations? Hello, if the Ronta has taught us anything, it's that we're not fighting against each other, other churches. We're fighting on the same team, and we need to introduce this city to the real Jesus. Amen, somebody? Now, 1 Corinthians 12 talks a lot about spiritual gifts. You can read that for those of you that like extra homework. But we are missing it. Many people are missing it, I should say. And what I want to do is tell us why. And, and the short answer is there are real enemies against your purpose, against you finding out what it is and walking in it. Let me read for you Romans. Uh, if you have your Bible, you can turn there. Romans 12 and verse 2. The Bible says this, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Pause. That's the big problem, isn't it? Even Christians are, are copying the behavior and customs of the world, and therefore you're getting the world's purpose. We have government education camps with school boards that lord over them, that are teaching your kids to go after dollars and cents and big houses and six-stall garages instead of purpose. That's why you can't afford to take summers off here. you got to have your kids in the house of the Lord. We're, we're speaking purpose, and their teachers aren't. I say that with one caveat. We have some Christian teachers at this church. I thank God for them, that you're in there, you're praying, you're laying hands on the seats. Do it. Let's get them. Enemy within, except we're good guys. But here's what I'm trying to say. The world is trying to have purpose. The world is trying to solve problems that they see, that we see. 
And the problem is they're solving it in a way that is not godly, in a way that they're not purposed to do or even gifted or talented to do. Hello. And when they do it, it backfires on them. Or when they even realize the solution that they were going for, it's not satisfying. And they get pickled and they, 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 they spiral downwards. Wherein the purposeful son or daughter of God, we're listening to God and we're going from faith to faith, glory to glory. Does that make sense? Like we're going, we're going for his best, but the world is trying to solve it on their own. And so it says, don't, be, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. That's why they have riots and murders and, and hatred and, and stealing and lying and cheating is because they're eating their own and they're pickled with their purpose. It doesn't make sense. Their pursuit is in something that will never satisfy them. Instead, what does it say? It says, you'll become a new person by changing the way you think. Then, everybody say then. Then you will know what God's will is for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. God's will doesn't settle. God's will isn't less than. God has a great plan, this purpose, this prevailing narrative. He wants to walk out in your life and we have to trust that process. My dream for you is that you'd be a part of this church and hear enough of this purpose talk that we give you that you'd say, you know what, Pastor Joe, I, I, not everything's perfect, but God has done a work in my heart, and I know what I'm supposed to be doing, and I'm doing it. And I'm where I'm supposed to be, and I'm there, and it's when I'm supposed to be doing it, and I'm, I'm, right, I'm right in the epicenter of what God has called me to do. That's my dream for you, that you would know exactly what it is. But here's the enemies, and there are three. Write them down. Number one, and my hope is that most of us fall into this category, that there's an enemy of purpose called confusion. I hope you just don't know. I hope it's just, because I can help you with that. I hope it's just that you're like, man, I don't even know how to hear about it. I don't know how to, great, we can help you with that. But here's the deal. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians that, church, I don't want you to be ignorant of spiritual gifts. This is not something that should be ambiguous in you. You should, you should have a real grasp on who God made you to be and how to leverage that in real calling with him. Now, confusion is big, but the next one I think is a real big deal. Enemies of purpose, comparison. Write that down. Comparison. We get caught up in the Facebook metaverse thing, whatever he's calling it now, Duck and hide, Zuckerberg. Anyway, <laughs> we get caught up in comparing our life to other people's lives, other people's job, other people's home, other people's car, other people's stuff, other people's vacation. You know, there was a time where I was just like, I'm unfollowing you if you're taking a vacation in January because I think it's godly. I'm sick of it. Take me with you. I'll be your armor bearer. You know, how are you going to leave church and go to Jamaica without your man of God? I'm from inner city Nuevo, and we know how to fight. And so anyway, <laughs> praise God. You're comparing yourself to how somebody else looks. And I got news for you. They don't look like that either. <laughs> they're, sh they're showing you. I mean, listen, when some you're 45 years old, you're looking at a friend that you went to high school with, and their eyes are this big on Facebook. That's an app. They got an app for that. <laughs> They don't look like that. And even if it is a real picture, you're looking at their highlight reel of who they're trying to convey them to be. And gang, social media has done us a great disservice when it comes to comparing ourselves to everybody else. You know, <clears throat> I know a lot of great men of God 
Um, <clears throat> some of them are in my age range and planted at churches uh, in my age range. I had the privilege to hunt with them not too long ago, and others of them I trek with on social media. And I'll see them do like a big building campaign, or they'll be like, yeah, we baptized our thousandth person for this year. Or they'll have a big gift come in, and they can do a ton of outreaches that I can't. And I have compared myself to other people. And I've thought, God, I wish that I had all those things. And you know what I did? I caught all that junk a long time ago, years ago, because I'm going to be inundated with it. If the devil knows that he can get me with it, he's going to show me everything great that somebody else is doing. And so <clears throat> here's what I did. If I ever saw somebody, and they're doing a building program, and I was jealous of it, I would send a gift right away online, if they had online giving or send a check, if they didn't, to break the back of comparison in my life. The Bible says rejoice with them that rejoice. Amen? Praise God. Let me tell you why it's important. This, this is the big deal. If you're looking at somebody else and they're blessed and they're kind of in the same league as you and you're looking at your, your counterpart and they're blessed but you're not and you're jealous, you're, you're saying, this is your theology, God is not big enough to bless them and you at the same time. Your God is very small. And so, gang, what do we do? You can't compare yourself to all those guys. And if you need to do an exercise like I did and give some money, I tell you what, that's the quickest way to change your heart. The Bible says where your treasure is, your heart will there be. Uh, the front row's quoting it so loudly, I can't get through the scripture. Do you hear that too? My Atlanta. Would you like to come preach the best? They're like, yeah. Get them. Get them, Bev. Where your treasure is, your heart is also. And so if you want to break the back out of all this stuff, get your heart right, why don't you look at your little counterpart? She's looking all good. She lost a whole bunch of weight. You're like, I just had a kid. Why don't you go bless her with some shoes? Give her a gift certificate. Tell her she looks great. You know, the reality is this. Everybody feels the same way. I, I, whatever. Move off that one, Bev. But here's the deal. Stop comparing yourself to everyone else's highlight reel. You're seeing the best of them, and you're comparing it to you when you wake up in the morning. It looks like there's two trash bags tied to your eyeballs. You know, don't, don't do that. You, and this is serious, you always be miserable when you're comparing yourself to someone else. You will always be miserable when you desire someone else's portion, when God has called you to pursue your own. Amen. Now, here's the big one. I think that this one takes the cake. Enemies of purpose, I think that there's a counterfeit. You thought your career would be enough, and the reality is you do need a calling. You will retire from your career. You will never retire from purpose and calling. It's always on your life. You think that it's all about just getting money. And listen, money is not the cause of all evil, just to let you know. It's the love of money. You need money. The Bible says money answereth all things. There's some King James for you. You need money to eat. The Bible says if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. They should let me into schools right now. <clears throat> Praise God. No, stop, 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 stop. Okay. Jesus, come back in the room. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I made it. You need a calling. Your career will never fulfill you like a calling will. Your calling and your career can line up. You can do both. But sometimes they don't line up. You have to realize that you were born with purpose. You didn't just come along and, and then God's like, oh my gosh, we got to figure out a purpose for this person. I don't know. 
You say, well, Pastor Joe, I was an accident. Listen, bub, there's no accidental children. There might be an accidental parent. Oops. But, there, but there's no accidental children. And God knew you were coming the whole time. God has a plan for you. Can I put it this way? The purpose has always been ahead of you. God always has had that plan on you. It's resting on you. Psalm 139, the Bible says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. It's the reason why you feel when certain things happen versus somebody else. They they don't pick up on it at all. Kaya is compassionate. Kaya feels. I'm unfamiliar with the sensation. <laughs> Somebody's suffering. Kaya's like, oh my gosh, we got to go pray for him. I said, look, we got to get where we're going. I don't know. God bless him in Jesus' name. She said, no, you can't do that. And then me, it was so funny. Kaya, the one thing she asked for in this house was an awesome, big old, massive pantry. And so leave it to me. I just finished it like two weeks ago. But uh, Kaya just wanted that. But Kaya struggled to make that pantry look like anything the entire time that we had it. Because I come from a line of people that were designers and engineers. I have a very engineering mind. So I'm thinking like, okay, here's the stuff that you're going to be using all the time. Here's the heavy stuff and liquids. Here's that gingerbread house that we have from last year that nobody ate the gingerbread house. I'm not going to pay for it again. And and we definitely aren't going to eat it. So that's way up on. And so like... That's natural for me. Kaya looks at it, her hands are paralyzed. You know what I'm saying? Different gifts. Administration, get her done. Let's get this. Why are we talking about a pantry? Why isn't it done already, right? Kaya looks at people, so people-oriented, loves some people. Different gifts. Do you see it? And so you have a different gift. And you were wired that way, we just read, from your mother's womb. My son Jack, he came out of my wife. Crazy. He's nuts. He's a party animal. He's indulgent. He's a ham. He's funny. He will crack you up. He'll do something wrong that's funny. And you have to go, I'm telling you right now, you have to turn away and laugh because you're supposed to discipline the kid. Came out that way. Arreo's telling us all what to do. We all work for him from day one. And it's different. <laughs> and my dream as your pastor is that you'd know it. How did God make you? Psalm 139 continues, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Oh, Pastor Joe, you're the preacher. You're ordained. Bubba, you ordained too. That's bad English and it's good preaching. God has ordained every day of your life. Doesn't mean that everything that happens is God. God knows God's behind you and God has purpose through it all. Say amen. You are unique and special to God. That's why we do New Chapel Connect. And again, that's the only announcement you're going to hear every single week. It's always on the posters. I'm always going to be talking about it. Why? It's because we need people to discover who God made them to be. And that's what New Chapel Connect does. It helps you, yes, relationally connect, answer questions, give you a vision about the church. It does that. But it also is this great primer into you becoming a person who understands your purpose. We give you tests. We help you identify through very penetrating questions who God has called you to be specifically. Write this down. God's design in me reveals God's destiny for me. Give you a great example. If I was to walk in uh, to your dining room and I saw some eyeglasses on the counter, I'm not going to ask, what are those for? 
I look at eyeglasses. I know by looking at it, I don't have to study very long. The use is to correct vision, right? And so in the same way, we want to do some introspection, give you some personality tests, give you motivational tests, help you to understand your composition, ask you some piercing questions, and give you an opportunity to take some baby steps with church family just serving on a team to understand who you are and be able to walk in that purpose. Now, I would love to take you on that journey. We go through the four steps in a, in a concrete way to help you to take the spiritual journey so that you can be the person that says, look, I get it. I was made for this. I was made for this moment. I'm right in the center of where I'm supposed to be. And if you're dissatisfied with your life, it is probably because you're pursuing something that you were never made for. God made you for a purpose. I thank God I'm doing what I'm called to do. And I want to just let the cat out of the bag for a second. I'm not perfect. So we have problems like everybody else. We have behavioral things with our kids, and we have problems knocking on our door like everybody else. But I am in the center of God's will for my life. I know what I'm supposed to be doing. I know when I'm supposed to be doing it. I'm right in my sweet spot, and it makes all the difference. And so in the New Chapel Connect uh, uh, journey that we take you on through the spiritual uh, journey, it's two parts. So it's, it's partnership one and engagement two. Uh, partnership one starts next week. I would encourage every single person to attend. It's right after second service. So this service next week will start out with partnership one. But we're going to ask questions like this. What abilities do you naturally possess? What are, you, what are you naturally good at? And I might not should have put all these questions in this sermon. It's not directly linked, but whatever. Here we go. I, th I think it's going to help you. How about this one? What are your primary motivational gifts? Like, like what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Again, for Kaya, she loves to like pray with people, direct ministry. I want to solve problems. I want to create systems. I want to have organization. Make sense? So what motivates you? Is it talking to people? Is it um, uh, meeting a practical need? Is it being a person that um, you can finish your job at the end of each day? You know, so, so these things are indicators to motivational gifts altogether. How about this one? What do you really want to do? So there's some things you got to do, and then there's like, oh, man, I can't wait until I can do that. That's what you want to do. Uh, the uh, psalmist David, King David, said, Lord, you give me the desires of my heart. It's not that he gives you everything you want. It's that he gives you the want. He gives you the desire. How about this one? Where does your life produce the most? Where's the most fruit coming from? Where is their production value? Like if we ask you to go sweep the floor, it's about a half-day job for you. But if we ask you to go do some accounting, man, you're doing double what your average person could do because you're just like, man, I'm in, my, I'm in the zone. What's that? Maybe you're a person that you're very artistic and you could totally veg out on art and design. There's a production value. You're not just interested, but you can produce versus if we made you do accounting, I mean, it would be rough. Figure out what that is. How about this one? What do others affirm about you? So you might think you have certain gift sets or things that you shine in, and you might, but there might be other things that people are like, hey, you're really good at that. Or when you did this, no one's done it as good as you did. Does that make sense? See what other people are affirming, and that's an indicator towards purpose. How about this one? What are you compelled to pursue? For some of you, it is something that you are against. You hate this thing. You want to solve this thing. 
for others of you, it's something you're excited about. I got to do this. It's something I got to do. What do you got to do? I got to do this before I die. I got to do this thing. And you're excited about it. There's negative. A great indicator is what are you upset about? Another great indicator is what, are you, what brings you this incredible joy? If I fulfill this, I solved all kinds of problems at once. And then last question, what opportunity is in front of you right now? It was in our, I'd say, first year as a church. And uh, there was this guy that um, we had met through an outreach, and he had been attending the church for some time, a couple months. And um, he, was a, he was a little quirky, a lot. And, and, and so he, he comes up to me after church, and he says, Pastor Joe, I'm going to have to call you into a meeting. And I said, okay. And I'm, I've, I'm well-humored. Like, this is fun. Here we go. And so I grabbed some of my guys, and I went back to this meeting he's calling me to. And we get back there, and he says, somebody shut the door. Okay, let me do it, you know. <laughs> when you push on your chest so you can breathe, okay. And so um, he says, from this moment on, I hereby am the pastor of this church. I'm pulling you off from this office right now in the name of Jesus. And I said, well, boys, in the name of Jesus, you can go send him to his car right now. And he said, wait a second. Wait a second. I'm not, he was surprised. And, and so anyway, we, we ushered him out, but there was no opportunity so if you're sizing up your boss and saying, like, hey, that's my job, I'd chill it. you got to look for the in. That's what I'm trying to say. There is an in. My job's not it. Okay, moving on. <laughs> there, <laughs> guys are silly. There are four. <laughs> I'm trying to teach the Bible. There are four primary ways in the Scripture where people receive their purpose, this calling thing from God. Anything else I really think would be under it. It'd be, it'd be a subheading. But these four ways are massive, and I think it's going to bring a lot of light to those of you that are like, I don't know what I'm called to. Here we go, four things. Number one, uh, how God reveals our purpose. Number one, the call from birth. I talked about that a little bit with my son, Jack. Uh, you can see indicators to his calling and his personality. But I've talked at the altar call uh, with people, and they've said, listen, from the time I was a kid, I knew I was supposed to do, right? I, I've talked to people. I've talked to old men who have told me, Pastor Joe, I was called to be a youth pastor. I was called to do those things. And so what happens? Life happens. Problems happen. Even good things. You get married, marriage happens, kids happen, lots of kids happen all at once. They get in your face, and it's like your calling just it, it begins to take a back seat in those things. But here's what I want to say for those of you that think that your ship is passed. The Bible says that the calling of God is irrevocable. Look at me when I tell you that. It's irrevocable. It's without repentance. You don't get a vote. Hallelujah. Say la. Let that just sit there for a second. No matter how far you've gone or run from God, his call is still on your life. Some of you tried to ignore it, act like it's not there. It is still on your life, and it'll follow you. Jeremiah chapter 1, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. Pause for a second, T. That's one of the reasons why New Chapel will always be an unapologetically pro-life church because God says he knew, that's a person. That's a, can I hear an amen, somebody? God knows them. 
Just as much as he would know you now, he knew you then. Before you were formed, I knew you. I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Somebody in here needs to hear that, 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 that God formed you. You're not a mistake. You're a child of the Most High God. You need to hear that you're known by God. He knows you. He knows his kids. He knows what's best for you. He knows what he has for you to do. And then how about this one? Listen to me. You're appointed by God. You're appointed to do great things. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. It continues on. Uh, Jeremiah answers. He says, but God, I, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. Look at that for a second. I don't know how. Just stop it right there, right? Just put a line there. How many times have we filled in that blank? Well, I don't know how to. Well, I'm too young, old, rich, poor. Uh, it's already gone past. I sinned too much. I messed up critically. I've, I've said too much. Wow. I don't know how to speak. I'm too young. But what does the Lord have to say? Stop saying that junk. Do not say I am too anything. Don't say I'm too young. You must go everywhere I send you to and say whatever command uh, that, that I command you to. Do not be afraid of them. I'm with you. You know, Christian, listen, this is where we got to go a little old school. And let me just say, you don't have a vote. You have a call. And there's, there's Jesus with the beard and the robe. He took your life and he beelined it. And you got to go chase after that. That's where your calling is. It isn't in whatever you think that it is. We got to find out what God's mind about it is. His heart about your calling and your purpose. Well, I don't think I can do that. That's exactly the kind of people that God uses people that think that they can't. Take it from the guy who graduated from Nuego High School. I think that there's a Bible verse about that. Has any good thing come out of Nuego or Nazareth? I don't, you know. Pastor Joe, are you doing a hit on Nuego? Yeah, right? Not crazy, am I? (laughs) Nobody expected I'd be doing this. Nobody expect I'd be a preacher. Nobody expect... But God has a call, and it's irrevocable, and you don't get a vote in it. You have to trust the living God that he'll take you through anything. And it doesn't matter your pedigree or your heritage. You know, I would have been the sixth generation of architects and designers, Sicilian, classically trained artists. What a rich heritage that I have in that way. And I branched off. I had a full ride to Kendall College, a good scholarship to CMU. I gave it all up to go down to Tulsa, Oklahoma to go to Rama Bible College and eat Rama noodles <laughs> or Roberts University. But it was more fulfilling than anything else. It's because the call is irrevocable. Wow. I'm too. Stop saying that junk. You're a child of God, and what he calls for, he provides for. Follow your God. Jeremiah 1, you must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. I am with you. That call, it comes with God on your side. Wow. Some of you have been running from it, and you'd be surprised to turn around and find it just there all the time, and you think you might have run too far. It is right behind you. Number two, how God reveals purpose. Number two, growing awareness. So some people have that big flash, bam, like, oh my gosh, I'm called to do something great. I see more often than not, uh, this becomes something that comes incrementally. And in fact, even for the person that has the big realization that they're supposed to do something great, 
uh, we know in part the Bible says. You don't know everything at once. You're, you're going to get a big chunk, and that might be fulfilling, but I think it's going to come incrementally. It makes me think about the, the story of Joseph out of Genesis. If you want to read it, it starts in like Genesis 30-ish and finishes in the 50s. It's good enough. And um, for those of you that like extra homework, but it's a cool story. Joseph is a, a, a son of God. I mean, he's a, he's a child of, of Israel, the nation. And, and he gets this dream, this vision, this call from God. And I love how the Bible tells off on itself, even some of its heroes. Joseph was young when he got this vision, and he did something that was very unwise. He told the vision. Here was the vision, that nations were going to bow before him, including his family. Now, that's a lot. Uh, if you get that vision, don't tell anybody but me, okay? <laughs> God sometimes gives us big things that you need to put up on the shelf. And you need to have the wisdom from the gospel of Kenny Rogers. you got to know when to hold them. And keep that up on that shelf, and God will speak to you about when it's time to take that off and share that with everybody else. You'll cast your pearls, I'm just telling you. I put my vision in the hands of people that did not know how to steward it. And so you don't know everything that God... God spoke to me great things about the future. I haven't told a lot of you. We'll take it off the shelf when it's time. We'll open that bottle up and have good old time. But I'm here to tell you, wisdom says don't do it. So he tells his brothers. And his brothers were so angry, they, they fake killed him to, to, to cover it all up. But basically, they, they sold him into slavery. He ended up through a wild series of events, spending most of his adult life in prison. Uh, but he still had this call. And... It's amazing that that call of God was there, but yet if you read the narrative of the story, everything in his life looked like he was on the wrong path. Everything looked like it was going wrong in so many ways. That's why I laugh when people come down to the altar and say, oh, Pastor Joe, I, I thought I was supposed to do this, but then I got this bad bill in the mail, and, 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 and then all of a sudden, you know, my kid, he needed extra whatever, and I had to stay late. To, must be a sign that God doesn't want me to do it. Well, how do you know it's a sign from God? What if it's a sign from the devil? All the devil has to do is make your kids stay late after school and you stub your toe and all of a sudden the call of God is done because you had an owie? That's all he has to do? Friend, listen, here's what I'm trying to convey in this is that you got to have something where it's like, Joseph, everything's going wrong. You're like, everybody's going to be bowing to me. teaching the Bible. A lot of you have erroneously interpreted the same scenarios in your life. You've gone through things and trying to interpret that that was a sign from God. I'm called by God, but everything's going the wrong direction. You'll find out if you read the end of Joseph's story that all of the wrong turns and the, the bad things that happened to him, that in the end, God redeemed all of it and he went further than he could have than if the bad things hadn't happened in the first place. When he gets to the end of his story, his brothers are approaching him. Joseph's a different guy now. He doesn't have a big Jewish beard. Jewish men have big old beards. He, he shaved like the Egyptians. He lives in Egypt. He's been elevated to be second in command, the prime minister, if you will, of Egypt underneath Pharaoh, the most powerful man on earth. And he saved them from a famine. His brothers are bowing to him, fulfilling the dream. And Joseph reveals who he is in Genesis 50 and verse 20. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Let me break this down for you. God does not cause bad things to happen in your life to make a point. 
God does not cause bad things to help you out a little bit on the back end. I know this is awful and we're going to cause sickness and disease and you to die prematurely, but it's going to work out for me. None of it. He acknowledges the attack that you have. He gives you power to fight through it, but here's the deal. God will teach you to turn the tables on the enemy. When it says that, that, that they intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, you look at it in Hebrew, the word would be re-intended. That sounds weird, right? Here's the Bible word, redeemed. You took the worst, you flipped the script and leveraged that worse, and I went further than I could have than if the bad hadn't ever happened. The devil's going to regret the day that he ever messed with you because you flipped the script on it. Do you see it? Say amen, somebody. Number three, how God reveals purpose. Walking through open doors. Now this, is, I've been told that like eight out of ten people are an S on the disc profile. You're a stable person. You don't want to rock the boat, anything like that. This one's for you. When God opens a door, don't just stare at it. Revelation says that he'll open doors no man can shut and shut doors no man can open. When God opens a door, don't um, e, ooh, ah. You got to take that first step in faith. And listen, don't you think God's big enough that if you messed up and that wasn't the way to go, he'd tell you to turn around and get out of there? He did that with the Apostle Paul. We, we have scripture on that. But the truth of the matter is, more often than not, we see people that have this epitus or this call or this like, I know I'm called to great things. God opens the door and like, I don't know. I'm going to put out a fleece. I'm going to ask the prayer to take a step. Take a step towards what God has for you. Well, I wonder what's on the other side. If you don't step into it, you'll never realize it. The best example for this is Queen Esther. She's a bad-to-the-bone chick. If you read her story, she was a misfit, adopted Jewish girl in a pagan culture, Babylonian culture, a broken family. And uh, while all of this was happening in Babylon, the king of Babylon was a pagan awful guy. And uh, he, he dials up his wife and he says, look, I want to I show you off. And she wasn't all about being showed off. And so he fired her. And he puts on this big old pageant with Jewish girls. And he says, whoever's the most beautiful, I'm going to marry him. And lo and behold, Esther's the most beautiful. And so he marries Esther because she's gorgeous. If the pageant was being held today, Vera, my daughter, would win that pageant. But you would win that pageant, my dear girl. At the same time as all of this was happening, the king had this advisor, somebody in his cabinet, who was trying to kill all the Jewish people. And, and praise break. There is a demon spirit in this world that has always tried to kill the Jewish people. And it was alive and well in that day as it is in our government today. Esther's uncle, Mordecai, real name, comes up to Esther and says, and I'm going to paraphrase, baby, you look good. But that is not why you won that pageant. You won that pageant because God wants you to have a voice to the ear of that king. And so Esther says this in Esther 4.14. For if you remain, uh, I'm sorry, Mordecai saying this. If you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. Pause. Or Robert said this, that two other people were called into his calling before he accepted the call. So hear me, God, God will find something for you to do, but that definite call, God's going to have his will done in this earth, and he's looking for willing people to do it. Don't have it go to another person. Accept the call. That it was custom fit for you. It was custom made for you. And so he says, uh, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. Who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. And she says, 
I'll go to the king, even though it's against the law. If I die, I die. Now here's, here's what I'm, I'm just wondering. Has God called you to your royal position for such a time as this? See, the preachers, the evangelical guys in this country, we know that revival is coming. We're trying to juice this thing up so that we can have that end-time harvest we've been preaching about our whole lives. But I'm just wondering, if you have this royal position in America with provision and comfort, are you leveraging that for that harvest or not? Have you been brought to your royal position for such a time as this? And that goes for your personal life as well. The answer is yes. God has made you a royal son or daughter of the most high God. He brought you to that spot for a reason. You have a purpose through it all. Say amen, somebody. So God's doing the best to open up opportune doors for you. you got to walk through them. Number four, if the music would come, how God reveals our purpose. He reveals it in a God encounter. Like, like God speaks, everybody. He's not done speaking today. Your God is a vocal God. The best example I could give you uh, in our time together is, is the example of the Apostle Paul, formerly Saul, who was a bad-to-the-bone dude. I mean, he was murdering Christians, standing, presiding over their execution. And this is what it says in Acts chapter 9, verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, the way is Christianity. They didn't call us Christians, then they called us those of the way. Whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. We know it's not just to be a prisoner forever. They're going to kill him, men and women, families. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly, say suddenly, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And I'm, I'm praying that for you today. I'm asking God to give you a suddenly, a suddenly moment in your life where it's like, whoa. I can preach a message. You know, we're going to have a good time. And I can put up some lights. And we'll sing pretty. But only God can do that. Suddenly, the Bible says, a light flashed from heaven. It continues on. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why thou persecutest me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked, I am Jesus, whom thou persecuted. Now get up and go into the city, and you'll be told what to do. First thing I want you to see is he heard God's voice, God speaking. This is New Testament. But the second thing I want you to see is get up and go. You're just on the way to kill people. Us. God says, I have a great call on your go. As you go, what? Now think about that's very profound. This would be Lil Nos X becoming the Billy Graham of our generation. You're laughing. I'm believing God. God loves to take off some of the biggest players on the enemy's team and get them over on our side. He loves to do it. Take the hardest cases of people that really screwed up, pancake the whole thing. God has a blessing on the other side. That's the heart of your God. And so Paul, out of all of these people, is, is, is called into the ministry, and I'm praying you get that today. Call into the ministry, maybe for some. Maybe just picking up your call, who God uniquely made you to be. We're all called to be in ministry, right? But like your call, your specific end of all of that, how God has called you to do it. I'm praying that you would get that. 
When I was a young kid, I thank God, I grew up in a, in a country church and they, they made us uh, memorize Bible verses. Some of, some of you asked, like, how do you, how do you know all this stuff? I actually had a good head start because they made us learn all those things. And, and they uh, encouraged us to go to Bible camp in the summer. And, and the whole youth group went, which was typically just me. Uh, there were a couple of, of summers where it was my cousins as well. I mean, this was country church. And uh, I remember going to Northland Bible camp in Dunbar, Wisconsin. And uh, it was an incredible week. When it got to the last night of the week, there was an evangelist there named Steve Pettit. He's actually the president of Bob Jones University then. At the time, he was a young evangelist. And he preached this message, not about giving your, your, you know, become born again, giving your life to Christ, but about giving your life to Christ, your vocation, your calling, whatever he calls you to do. If he calls you to Africa, you go to Africa. He calls you to be an accountant. Both of those sound the same to me, by the way. You know, whatever he calls you to do, you'll do it. And he preaches this message. And there was a missional edge to it all, and ministry edge. And he gave an altar call. And I was the first down there. I mean, I beelined it down there, and tears were streaming down my face. And it was our custom, and that day you'd go and shake the Baptist preacher's hand. You're serious, and then you'd bow down and pray. And I did. When the whole night was over, and we went back to our teepee, because that's what we slept in. <laughs> Not kidding. And uh, we're sitting in there doing devotions, evening devotions. The counselor, he said, Joe, it looked like God really worked on your life. You're crying your eyes out. And I said, sir, I just don't want God to call me to Africa and shovel elephant dung the rest of my life. <laughs> but I'll do whatever he says. <laughs> I was called. I put it on the shelf. Don't put your calling on the shelf. I let it go. I went back to largely a secular home. I mean, we had a, a Christmas tree and hid Easter eggs, but that's Christian, right? And, and, and lived a normal everyday life. But here's what God had, more. I was 17, I rededicated. I picked up that call, followed him with everything in me, and, and it's been the honor of my life. But I'm just gonna tell you, God's not done with me yet, and I'm gonna tell you why. I finished writing this message yesterday, and. I, I was on my way home. I discovered I had to do another errand. And as I was driving, I was listening to worship music. And I'm worshiping the Lord, giving him glory. And I sensed like he wanted to say something to me. Anytime that you sense that God wants to talk to you, here's what you do. You, you follow protocol. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and praise. So I just begin to glorify the Lord. I praise you, God. Thank you, God. You're wonderful. Just praise the Lord. You enter into his gates with thanksgiving and then... Here's my custom. I say, speak, Lord, your servant listens. And I'm praying about calling, and I'm, I'm praying about what God showed me New Chapel is supposed to be and where we're called to go, and I'm trying to reconcile that with where I'm at right now. And, and God, and I saw this in my future, and, and I'm 35. I, I know for some of you, like, oh, you're a young buck, but, you know, honestly, I've thought of my life from 60 back. Like, I, I've got stuff God wants me to do. And I'm like, God, help me with this. Help me to reconcile these things. I was just crying. As sure as anything, I heard that voice. Same voice that called me into the ministry that I heard at that Baptist camp. The same voice that reaffirmed my call when I gave everything up to go down to Bible college. He says, I'm not done with you. It's good for the goose. It's good for the gander. God's not done with you. God has to remind the preacher that. He's got to remind you that. The 
this church is not going to end in a whimper, that this revival we've been talking about will sweep our world, that our greatest days are ahead of us, that God is going to do a mighty work in our country, and in this world, we will see the glory of God. And so what we have to realize is that God created me on purpose for a purpose. God created you on purpose for a purpose. Write that down. God created you. He created you on purpose. You're not an accident. You're not an accident. God created me on purpose for a purpose. God created me on purpose for a purpose. God created you that way. God created you with purpose. I'm here to tell you that you've been made brand new by God. He made you on purpose for a purpose. You're a new creation on the inside. He made you on purpose for a purpose. You have great things in your future. You were made on purpose for a purpose. Close your eyes. Hear that. Stop. There's resistance in the room. Some of you have a struggle even hearing that. You were made on purpose for a purpose. Created by God with purpose for a purpose and he loves you and he's good hallelujah father I I pray that you do your thing right now leverage this holy moment God I pray for a suddenly in the room for some people that they would they would hear that call of God. For other people, they know from the time they were young, I'm supposed to do. God, I pray that they would stop ignoring it because it'll follow them to the grave. Let it not be said that the people of New Chapel have wealthy graves buried with talents and giftings and, 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 and callings of God that we would exhaust everything you have for us on this earth and in this life. God, I pray for people that are struggling with feeling like they're good enough, that God, you'd show them that you don't call the qualified, you qualify the called. And that God, you're gentle when you deal with us, even when you correct us, because your plans are good and you're faithful. God, I pray that we would be bold witnesses for you, that we would make a difference with our purpose, not just pet it like like a toy for us. God, we would be a church that's mobilized, that loves people far from God. God, if there's anybody in the sound of my voice that doesn't know you or that's not right with you, help me to find them in Jesus' name. Heads bowed, eyes closed still if you would. You come into my church, you say, I'm not right with God, Pastor Joe. We've all been there. Jesus made a way where there seemed to be no way. He brokered the peace in between God and God. And man, we fell, we sinned against God, but Jesus brokered peace. And when you call Jesus the Lord of your life, that's that's to say, boss, he's in control. When you put Jesus in control of your life, you withdraw from this world system and you fall into the kingdom of God. That gets you uh, eternity in heaven, yes, for sure, but eternal life starts the moment you accept Christ. The peace you are seeking, friend, is not found in you just getting back around church. It's found in giving your heart to Christ. And so we're going to say a prayer, and if you mean it, the Bible says you will be saved. Pray this out loud with me. Pray, dear Heavenly Father. Pray, dear Heavenly Father. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place for my sins 
so I can be forgiven. You raised him from the dead. This I believe. So with my heart and with these words, I confess. Jesus Christ is my Lord. I surrender now. Jesus, I call on you. Come into my life. Forgive my sins. Put your spirit in me. I receive all that you have for me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for making all things new. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we give those people a little love for that decision? Listen, I am proud of the decision that you made. Let us know about it by filling out a connection card. We want to send you some next steps in God. We are so proud of you. Hey, before we dismiss today, I am so excited about our Trunk or Treat event later on today. Are you excited about that? Praise God. Stand up on your feet, gang. Don't miss tonight. We're going to be starting this at 5 o'clock. It's going to go until 7 o'clock. We are going to have a blast. If you say, well, Pastor Joe, you're celebrating Halloween and that's of the devil. No, I'm not. We're celebrating candy and, uh, and dressing up and fun things like that. So make sure that you're a part of it. And I can't think of a better thing than to hijack something in the world and make it something that can market the kingdom of God. Amen? One thing before we leave. Next week. Everybody say next week. I'm going to be preaching my first series on heaven. I've never done it before. And yeah, praise God. I'm excited about it. It's going to be four weeks. Maybe one of them will talk about hell. Uh, it's not popular in Granville, but it is still a thing. And so I want to talk about heaven in a very real way. I'm learning new things all the time. It will blow you away. Some of the stuff I'm, I'm reading in the Bible about it. Make sure that you're here next week. And also this, invite someone. Everybody in the world wants to know, is there a life after death? And in fact, teenagers especially are so spiritual. We can't just have, you know, pretty and pink. They got to be vampires now. You know, like kids want spiritual things. And so bring them into this. We're going to answer some real questions about heaven and have a great series in the month of November. Babe, why don't you come up here and pray for the people with me? Y'all give it up for my beautiful wife. Hey, we love you. We'll see you in a couple hours at Trunk or Treat. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you. Be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And as you go, as you go, see you tonight. We hope that you were encouraged and brought closer to God during this message. You can listen to any of our past messages and series either on this podcast or on newchapel.com slash watch. And be sure to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel.